following presentation by Taylor Fragon Capital Management LLC is intended for general information purposes only. No portion of the presentation serves as the receipt of or as a substitute for personalized investment advice from Taylor Fragon or any other investment professional of your choosing. Please see additional important disclosure at the end of this presentation. A copy of Taylor Fragon's current written disclosure brochure discussing our advisory services and fees is available upon request or at www.taylorfragon.com. Welcome to this week's installment of the Long Only Podcast. I'm Doug. He's Doug. He's Jerry. Here we are recording on a Friday afternoon, possibly as late as we possibly can. Which means it's going to be short. Exactly. Because there's golf to be played, right? There's, what? yes, although it is now finally warmed up in Scottsdale. Yes, it's a little toasty. After a very mild spring. We can't complain, really. Cannot complain. No. I mean, it was beautiful. It was like 80s and low 90s for times when it should have been 100 and something. Yes. So Anyway. So I think I'm going to call this week's episode. I've already got a name for it. Doug has a name. Should I drum roll? It is called Threading the Needle. Anyone know why? Why? First of all, it was, the topic was your idea. Well, of course. But the title... Well, normally we don't think of a topic ahead of time, but the topic. Do we have topics? Normally. We fall into a topic. Yes, exactly. Okay. I thought We about, name these things after. Yes, yes. But this time I've got the name going in. Okay. What is it? Because it's called, we'll call it threading the needle. Okay. Because after this week, it's, I mean, it was already clear, but that economic news needs to be just the right amount because it needs, if it's too good. If any economic news is too good, then it's going to result in the Fed continuing or the fear that the Fed will continue to raise interest rates because the economy is strong enough to withstand it. But obviously, if it's too bad, it's just bad news. Or okay. or do you think even or is threading the needle even the right term? Do you think we're at the point where it's literally like the news doesn't have to be kind of just good enough? It literally bad news is good news. I've already got a headache from this question. <laughs> it's. I think you're what, what the the real story that's coming from this is just how insane all of this really is. Um, we've been talking a lot in our in our shop about what it means to be a long term investor, and you and I had a little bit of a discussion. I've been talking to others, and I, I have for the longest time said you really invest for a lifetime. I'm now gonna I'm now gonna adjust that and say that you and if you're if you're truly trying to build wealth for your family, I, I challenge that anybody and everybody who really truly wants to do that, it's multi-generational, which means it's more than a lifetime. It's multiple lifetimes. Well, is that is evidence we we we're trying to put our money in our mouth where our mouth is on that with regard to one of our initiatives. Right. So I my I, and this this came out of uh, some reading that I was doing recently, and maybe at some point we'll get into the details of who and what and where. But because I've said this myself before, I'm not going to worry about citing where I got this. But the the concept of short term is 20 years, long term, mid intermediate term is 50 years, and long term is 100 years. I love that because at the end of the day. If you're constantly thinking about like, you know, the, you know, Connolly Incorporated, as Doug Connolly's family is Connolly Incorporated, and you're looking at the family balance short. sheet. Sell it short, Jerry. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> the guy's a real estate mogul, I'm learning. Um, Red states, good school districts, even though all school districts stink. That's my secret. Uh, where grapes grow. 
where grapes grow? Has always been my Sunbelt. secret. Well, yeah, we can get into that another time. Grapes but grow in California. It's very, I know. And, and look at what real estate generally has done in those areas. It's just unfortunate how much you can actually get to the point where even where grapes grow, when absolute idiocy is running things, you can destroy it. Even grapes can't solve the problem. I'm speaking to wine grapes, but I digress. Okay. Um, why am I going to this big, long dissertation about long term is at the end of the day, all of this nonsense. I mean, today, you know, whatever. There was an employment number that came out and it was a little weaker than expected. And at first, the market was happy about it, uh, you know, because it was it was weak enough that the Fed won't raise rates. Oh, my gosh. Like the Fed is actually the or the 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 lifeblood of the economy. I've said so many times they can screw things up, but they really can't help anything. They're best to just get out of the way. So, yes, back to your question. It does seem like there's this threading of the needle too much leaning leaning towards weakness in, in the economy or in employment, you know. There will there will be that point where it turns into a negative for markets because it's too weak. Um, <clears throat> but God forbid it be strong a- again on short term periods of time, because you know, then that means, you know, surely the Fed who are, as we've said, Phillips curves and anybody who doesn't know what the Phillips curve is. It's it's that the relationship between the belief that the relationship between inflation uh, and employment is essentially inverse. So that the lower unemployment is, I guess you would say it the other way. If employment is high, it's it's actually correlated positively. If employment is high, inflation goes up. Same concept being, you know, economic growth causes inflation. Nothing could be more insane. Um, in fact, economic growth, as we've proven since, you know, over the last 40, 50 years, we've had relatively tame inflation until now after the insane bout in the 70s. And it's been over a period of time where we had significant economic growth, particularly in the first 30 some odd years, 25 years of that period, um, which was, you know, an average trend line was 3% in the US GDP. We're now down to 2%. Why? Because we're spending too much money, because we're we're doing things that are making it harder for businesses to, to do business. And so that trend line, unfortunately, has come down from 3% to 2%. That's what people should be more worried about. Not the Fed's concern, you know, worry over, you know, whether or not economic growth is going to cause inflation. That's just nonsense. So, you know, here we are in this period where everybody's kind of bated breath waiting for when does the Fed finally get done? However much I might think it's nutty, the fact of the matter is, is that is what's driving markets right now. And I think we're probably pretty close to the end. But we're not at the end. But we may not be at the end. And we'll find out over the course of the summer, I think. Um, You know, and, and by the way, Although we were dealing with relatively low inflation, it was still running about 2%, which takes, you know, on a simple average, you know, calculation, not compounding it, that's that's more than 20% of your dollar's value drops every 10 years. You know, the idea that you want a little bit of inflation is ins- also insane, but that's for another discussion. At least 2% is better than 3, which is better than 4, which is better than 10. Um Inflation cuts both, you know, is is bad no matter how you slice it. So is deflation. Um, You know, what we want is just stable, a stable value of our currency. So companies don't even have to think about it. We shouldn't even have to think about it. It's just simply, it should be a measuring stick. 
nothing more. And what's it measuring? It's measuring the credit creditworthiness of your of your country, of your currency. Your good credit should just be stable. It should, and and it would be just amazing if the entire world were somehow in that mode. But we know what politics are, and because politics are what they are, you're never going to get to that point. So we have to get by in spite, as Dick Taylor said, and we have to manage through these periods of of lunacy that go on from time to time. And and what did I just say before we got on this? You know, what, 44-year period where we've been waiting for the economy to blow up so badly that it never recovers? I mean, that was all coming out of the wake of what happened in the 80s when, you know, Ronald Reagan dramatically lowered uh, tax rates, reduced reduced a lot of the regulatory burden on companies. Um, 44 years ago was that infamous Death of Equities Business Week cover. that Totally infamous. Basically. And they've been waiting for those things. And every crisis that we've had since then is, this is it. No, this is it. No, this is it. No, this is it. This is really it. It being this is what blows us off the off the edge, and and, and it, you know, it doesn't happen. And on the positive side, what we have to be, you know, much of that Reagan revolution, the change in 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 tax rates and general attitude towards business. Believe it or not, even as hostile as the current regimes have or most recent regimes have been. The changes that took place in the 80s are still largely with us, particularly from the tax standpoint. There have been, you know, some backing and filling and backing and filling from the from the low end of of tax rates. Um, but nothing dramatic. And I think that's something, uh, you know, that that we have to take into consideration when we're looking at how, you know, in a lot of ways, things have been kind of negative. Right. Over the last few years, certainly with the insanity of covid and the government's inept response to that, um, not just in the U.S., but around the world. It seems like the tax rates are to the right what the cultural and sexual norms are to the left. It's like they, well, they I, stuck. And they're, I, they're here and they're, it's going to be hard to move them. And it so, is going to be. Yeah. And, and and look, I'm, I'm thoroughly understanding and in the camp of, of, you know, I don't think anybody listening to this podcast doesn't know that we're both just to the right of Attila the Hun. Um, he was an establishment Republican. <laughs> but that said, I'm fully willing and able to admit that that in order for the right to be able to make, gain more traction, it's going to need to take a step out of the a different playbook. The, the lower tax rates and less regulation isn't the only thing that we can always be preaching about. Well, um, it's also important to just have some sort of historical appreciation of where you are. Yes. And, 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 and so, I think that, that's what I'm yeah. trying to do. Yeah. is give that historical appreciation and say, yeah, you know what, it, it could be worse. And everybody says, oh, well, nobody paid 90% tax rates. Well, maybe, but that was still a they ridiculous- work, Yeah, they saw the work around it. Yeah, somehow. exactly, which was un- uneconomic and unproductive. And so we don't want to end up back in that. We're nowhere close to that, thankfully. Um, now we got a lot of work to do on the, the cultural side. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, if we're not, if, if we don't have a rule of law, if we don't, if we don't adhere to natural law, and 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 just have a, a, a generally principled approach to the world, it's going to be problematic. And I think I think that's what's unfortunately happened here in, in the last few decades. And it's probably been going a lot longer than that. But that that's why I'm saying I get that we can, you know the right can't just focus only on tax rates and regulation and spending and all that. Those are things that they need to ta- they need to tackle, but they also need to, to Find a way to get 
some wins in the cultural wars. Well, yeah, and I wasn't trying to pull it back to culture, but it, I was just pointing out that every once in a while you get in some field, you get the goalposts get sort of moved or get reset permanently. And the baseline gets reset permanently. And I think with taxes, Reagan did that yes. permanently. And again, the kind of the way we've. It would be really hard to go back to that kind of regime. Correct. The only thing, the thing we would like to see is an, if we had a perfect world as far as taxes is a flat tax. I mean, you know, we'll never get there, but I don't think, but that would be perfect because that gets you out of the whole mode of thinking about any group differently from the other, any industry, any whatever. Um, what do you think the reason is we'll never see a simplified tax code? Politicians. But I mean, but- but beyond on that, both sides, by the way, they still benefit from. Do you think it's simply that they because it seems like givies. net net, the only people who benefit from this are the accountants because they and have the job attorneys. security. But maybe, yeah. maybe I guess because because when I my favoritism of a flat tax or a flatter tax or a simplified tax code isn't necessarily that it result in me paying less taxes. Heck, with six kids, I might be paying any taxes for a long time. Um, so. Stop it. Pardon? Seven? Six. Six. Okay. Seven pregnancies. But yeah, 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 we, we yeah, lost yeah. Okay, gotcha. But the, uh, so yeah, seven, been, and we know it's seven, but six six on the ground. See, I was counting those pregnancies. Okay, all right. Um, but, but anyway, uh, so we, but my point is that, uh, what was my point? That the, we're talking about the tax regime why oh, wouldn't you get tax. to a flat tax yeah. why couldn't you get to a simplified tax yeah and and, the, and my thing is that regardless even if it comes out in the wash where my tax rate doesn't change at all i am suspicious of anything that is as complex as the u.s tax code well i think we the ship sailed in was it 1912 when they instituted the income tax i think it was talk about permanently moving the baseline exactly <laughs> yes. so my i think I think the only way <laughs> you're, it's not going to go away. I mean, and I think it's when they came out and everybody boasts of, oh, and it was done on a postcard. Yeah, right. Okay. We knew that wasn't going to last. But is it just lawyer? Is it just CPAs and attorneys who want it so complex? No, I don't think it's, I, I, I no, because I, I don't think it's just that. I think it's, I think it's just the political, it, having that tax code available to to manipulate politically is just too attractive to politicians on both sides, on both sides. And even if they did simplify it, it would just mean that they would be start tweaking it and give breaks to. Which is what happened in 1980s. It, 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 it did simplify. It just didn't get it all the way done. And I mean, we, you know, this is a probably another podcast. We haven't really touched on, on this that much, frankly, in the year plus that we've been doing these podcasts which is what is the right thing to tax? That's what's a great question, I think. I mean, what's the right thing? Should it be income? Should it be property? Should it be consumption? Should it, you know, what should it be? Those are valid questions that actually it would be really great to have a debate on that. As long as they don't tax kids, I don't care. (laughs) I, I, I think it would be nice to have that debate but well, we're never we can't even get to the point of debate anymore but the problem with having that debate the, the the problem with having that debate is that eventually it's going to land on oh we'll just tax wealth so that it, that's going to be an idea that's thro- floating well it's there. already floating around they're already trying yeah. to do that um but i think opening up that can of that pandora's box could result which i think of all the things to tax would you not agree that just wealth flat wealth seems to be 
probably the most pernicious way to go about it. I mean, because you're essentially taxing the same basket over and over and over again. Yeah, I don't think that makes sense. Yep. Um, I mean, there. my argument would probably come down on it does make sense to have some level of it does make sense to have income being something that's taxed. Although look, consumption taxes can make a lot of sense too. You know, the argument against those is that it's, it becomes very regressive in that, you know, it hits hardest at the lower economic levels. Uh, kind of like inflation. Well, exactly. <laughs> which is a tax. Yeah. It's a tax. It a tax so my point is, the this government is a great, this is a great debate and there's been some, Good discussions on it. Henry George is is probably one that's uh, as far as long term, you know, views of and his is, is property. You know, you have your property owner to get taxed and you get taxed on your because why was that? Because traditionally they got income off of the rents from their property and that it's essentially taxing the taxing income um, from property. Uh, you know, I I'm going to certainly say I don't know. I think we've so far down the road right now. At this point, with the income tax, it's over 100 years, um, 110 years. It's not going to change. It would just be really great to get us to the point where it was flat, and there, and it, or at least flatter. Um, and and I and I think you know there's different variations on that flat tax. Some say some that aren't really a true flat tax because they say, well, there's a certain level of income that should be exempt. Why? I actually think that. The, everybody should have a stake in this. I think that's that's the point. Um, so that you know the the lowest on the eco, so the economic ladder has every reason to you know sh- wag their finger. <laughs> you know, um, in a in a republic, I think that probably makes the most sense. We'll see. I don't think anything in our lifetime, Doug, is going to ever come about in that way. What we can hope to do is to get it. You know, as close to what it is now and less complicated as we can. Um, and, you know, since the eighties, we've, we've already gone down a path of making it more complicated again. I mean, we still have, I don't know what the number is, but some crazy number around a hundred thousand pages to the tax code, most of which is not part of legislation. It's part of legislation that then said to the IRS, okay, you make the rules. And it's insane. That is insanity. You know, that's not a Republic. And, but there again, that's politicians, you know, abdicating their responsibilities. Um, a bit off topic from what we started. Well, no, it isn't. It always is. It, it, well, but it's not. I mean, it does relate to, you know, what makes things work best. What makes what's the best thing for economic growth? Problem you have right now is you have people out there that think that that economic growth doesn't matter. Well, they don't want it. They don't want growth. Well, they don't the want larger people. Problem, though, is there's pe- people out there that don't want people. Well, and there's people also who are saying one thing and doing another. And that's why I brought up the, yes. the inflation aspect, because as a society, we've more or less landed on the fact by hook or by crook that regressive taxes are bad mm-hmm. and we don't want regressive taxes. But here we are with 8% inflation and while the government can say we don't want regressive taxes and we don't want inflation, it's doing things well, that guarantee. Well, in fairness, we're now down to 4%. But okay. So, but that the, might be too far away from the mic. But the point is, is that the government is, has been behaving in manners that, that guarantee this thing, that this thing recognizes as universally bad income or a bad outcome, which is 
inflation as a reg- as a regressive tax. You know, we don't like inflation. We don't like hurting the poor people. What does the government go out and do? It, it engages in behaviors that are guaranteed to hurt the poor people. I would agree. And that's almost always the case. No, I think that's the largely the case in a lot of economic and social issues is that the stated beneficiary is often the one who is hurt the most. We see that time and time again. And, and I'm even going to go so far as to suggest that, you know, it may even be with all the best of intentions. Let's let's you know, I'm not sure I really believe that, but it doesn't. But it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't it's matter. what the result is. Yes. And the result is, is that, you know, it's it's like the minimum wage. You know, how often, how many more economic studies need to be done that the minimum wage, there was just a piece that came out from, I uh, can't remember the group, I'll, I'll find it today, that was a study on um, on the minimum wage. And I, I mean, I, in, in almost 40 years of doing this crazy stuff, there's not a one of these that I haven't seen that has just obliterated any argument for the minimum wage. It, it, it absolutely hurts the lower economic rung. Um, the Steve Moore's committee to unleash prosperity put this out. Uh, and it was a study done by, I'll find it, I'll find it. I won't find it, I won't find it. <laughs> anyway, it was a study that was showing yet again that the minimum wage is just disastrous for the lower economic uh, levels. And so, um, you know, here it is, here it is. This is from, it's a standard research from the economic policy Institute. And it shows all the various, uh, wages across different cities and then shows what level of unemployment they have in those cities. And, you know, it goes up inevitably, when, in, when the, the minimum wage, wage goes up. So that's just, uh, you increase the price of something and the supply of that goes down. That's how it works. You can't fool Mother Econ as one of my There's high a good school one. economics teachers. Did I say that right? You increase the price of something. Anyway, you make it more expensive for labor and you're going to get less labor. So there we go. You get less labor providing, you know, jobs being provided. Just just be clear. I'm sure we'll get comments. All right. All right. That's enough for a Friday. So in the meantime, you know where you can find us long only at TaylorForGone.com. Is anybody finding us? Hopefully. I hope so. And also TaylorForGone.invest and of course website TaylorForGone.com. Please rate us on iTunes. In the meantime, I'm Doug. I'm Jerry. Thanks for joining us on the Longly Podcast. Bye.